This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Well, holy crap, Jesse. I used a different word last night on Twitter, but it it holds up. I'd say that's a pretty good way to put it. I don't think any Medi thought when Wisconsin was trailing 21-7 to that it was going to end the way that it did. But boy, what a way for the Badgers to come out with that one. What an absolute game for Wisconsin. It did not look pretty for most of it. Trailing by 14 going into the fourth quarter. They score 18 unanswered to beat Illinois 25-21. Moved to 3-1 and in the Big Ten and move into a half game lead for first place in the West Division thanks to Iowa and Minnesota. We'll probably talk about that game maybe at some point here because that was an insane ending, as insane as Wisconsin's ending was, uh, and Wisconsin's was, the ending to Minnesota and, and Iowa. Very, very controversial, and something I think Wisconsin fans actually ha- had seen before, but that is irrelevant for Wisconsin and Illinois. The Badgers just just find a way, and I think maybe we need to start probably with what Luke Fickle had to say about his team afterwards because for so long this offseason, this past offseason, was all about finishing. Finish, 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 finish. After going, what was it, one in four in games decided down the stretch last year? And was it was that the right stat? Yep, it's the stat that he and strength coach Brady Collins uttered over and over for months and months. They harped on it throughout. It was all about finishing. And in the opportunities that they had to finish earlier this year, they did not do it. Washington State, opportunity to go and win the game in the fourth quarter, couldn't get it done. Opportunity, multiple opportunities to do that against Iowa, could not get it done. It looked like they were going to be dropping to, you know, two and two in the Big Ten and having to face Ohio State next week, very much in danger of falling below 500. Things were looking bleak. And then Wisconsin found its way. And they fought, and they showed grit, and they showed tenacity, and they figured it out at the end and were able to finish. And uh, I always, whenever they don't finish, our guy Vitaly Pesetsky on, on Twitter says, I want my old Badgers back, the ones that don't flinch. Well, they didn't flinch yesterday. They did not. The first thing that Luke Fickle said in his postgame remarks to us was, uh, I'm sure you all had your doubts, not unlike a lot of us, but then he said what you're alluding to, And this is what he told the team afterward, that this is the first time in 10 months that I've seen that out of our guys. And and he said, it's the talked about the resiliency and the fight and the grit. And he said, I don't know that I had seen that. And I think that is a pretty big statement. I understand there is at least a faction of the fan base that will just look at this and say, well, Illinois is not very good. They're three and five right now. They're in last place in the Big Ten West. But you got to take these kind of kinds of wins when you can get them. And Wisconsin put itself in a huge hole. And we've seen before that the Badgers hadn't been able to climb out of it. And maybe this is a turning point in year one under Fickle. I'm not going to sit here and say that this automatically means Wisconsin is a, a Big Ten title contender. But you had to do this at least once. And it's something that Muma Jong Mehta talked about after the game, too. Now we've put it on film. Now we can show ourselves that this is who we are. And for a team struggling to figure out what it is this year, I think this is a big-time win. It's a huge win, and, and they did it you know, without two of their best offensive players. Obviously, Tanner Mordecai down for a while. Ches Malusi down for the rest of the season. But they put the, the onus on some guys that obviously have done it before, right? Braylon Allen has done it before. 
And the offensive line stepped up. A lot of veterans on that as well. But also the young guys, specifically, obviously, Braden Locke and Will Pauling. And to an extent, a young guy, I guess, in Skylar Bell. Those three guys just making huge plays on offense for Wisconsin. And I think that's maybe where we'll start with how this comeback happened. I mean, they get the field goal to make it 21 to 10. Then on the next possession, probably the play of the game in terms of flipping momentum in Wisconsin's favor, the the play by Newton who wrecked Wisconsin's game throughout, right? You had, he was fantastic. He was a huge trouble for both uh, of Wisconsin's guards. And on this particular play, had a really good rep against Michael Furtney and crushed Braden Locke. And unfortunately for him, Newton, that is, he led with his head, he led with his helmet, hit Braden Locke right to the side of the helmet, uh, you know, his jaw area, and he's out of the game. And I thought from that moment on, Wisconsin dominated offensively. I, it was, you, would you agree that was the, the I don't want to say turning point, but it was just such, such a huge, huge play. It was no doubt a turning point because Newton is a fantastic defensive lineman. And Illinois also came into that game without Keith Randolph. Brett Bielema likes to call those two guys, and he has for a couple of years, the law firm of Newton and Randolph just because of uh, how big big they've been up front for them. But you lose a guy like that, and it opens things up. And that play in particular, I know Bielema was not very happy about after the game and, and voiced his displeasure in his postgame press conference. But initially... They ruled it a, a roughing the passer penalty. And then on review, we're able to take a look at it and call it targeting. You could see Newton's emotion on the sideline. It, you lose your best defensive player, and absolutely it changed the course of the game. Let's be fair about this. This was, I, I thought, textbook targeting. Now, you can you can hate the rule, and I do. I'm not a fan of kicking guys out of games for especially non-malicious um hits like this this was there was no intent there to injure Braden Locke he was trying to hit him knock the ball loose and get it back and he went high and for Brett Bielema to come out and say oh our kids deserve answers our players deserve answers our fans deserve answers having stuff taken away from us is just sickening it was clear dude you can you can go and talk to the Big Ten if you want to that thing's not getting overturned that was as clear a day targeting as you could possibly have. And there was someone in the press box last night from the Illinois side, heard him over there talking to his buddies. And he was saying, well, the quarterback dipped his head. The quarterback didn't even see him. He didn't even see him. And he got drilled. It was a clear, clear targeting. You can hate the rule. And I do, but it was clear. And anybody that's complaining about it is wrong. So that's Brett can talk about that. Having something taken away from him. I know they've had uh, official issues at other points in his tenure Illinois that was not one of them that was definitely not one of them so either way he goes out and Wisconsin's able to drive down the field and Will Pauling makes the play of his year so far to get in the end zone for the first touchdown of his career it was just a a huge play at a big big time moment in the game and it was yeah the 20-yard touchdown catch and Braden Locke even said when he threw the ball he started to see a defensive back creep over because Pauling had his guy beaten. And then I think the safety came over from the middle and he wasn't sure whether it was going to get there. And will just, he went up and he took it away. He grabbed it, stepped right in front of Tyler strain and got the touchdown. 
Pauling's had a, a fantastic start to this season. I think he's playing at the level that you and I both anticipated he would based on what we saw and how much Phil Longo likes to use his slot receivers, but he hadn't caught a touchdown pass yet. And he talked about how important that was for him in part because he's a Chicago native and he was lightly recruited by Illinois. And that was something that he said was personal for him and why he had circled this game. Everybody's got their reason for motivation. If you're an athlete, you find ways. If you're Michael Jordan, you invent them out of thin air. But it obviously played a part in him wanting to have a really good game, and he did. Almost 100 yards receiving, and Wisconsin needed every one of them. We talked last week when Tanner Mordecai went out that the wide – I mentioned this. The wide receivers need to step up. They need to make plays for their quarterback, their young quarterback. They had not done that enough for Tanner Mordecai at times this year. And the early returns were not a positive. I mean, you had drops on third down from Pauling and Skylar Bell. You had guys just not – coming up and making plays for a young quarterback that they needed to make. And this was not the first one of those. I thought there were a couple more that Pauline had earlier in the game, but this is the type of play that I'm talking about going and helping your guy. He could have just kept on floating. You know what I mean? He could have just kept on floating and it's an interception and, and the game essentially is over. Instead, he goes and attacks the ball and the, the Illinois guy did not. He was able to go and attack the ball, take it away from him, do a little too small on him. <laughs> even though uh, Will Pauling's about 5'10", did a little too small, and it's a huge touchdown. And it leads into what is obviously a huge next drive by the defense. And there were two, there was one big-time play that I think, um, you know, maybe gets overlooked or, I don't know, um, even thought about. But there was, on, on a second-down play for the Illini in the next drive, it looks like Luke, Luke Altmaier is about to take off for a huge game. The, the, it opens up wide, like very, very wide. And Hunter Wooler gets just enough of them and slows him down, and it turns into a third down, and Wisconsin gets a sack in the next, next possession or the next play, and they're forced to punt it away. There were not a lot of great moments, I don't think, defensively, uh, especially, <laughs> especially you know in terms of stopping the run, but that was one of them. Yeah, and uh, you know the the we will talk a lot probably about the offense and the the way the Badgers were able to score those eighteen points, but they don't win this game without the defense coming up at big moments. And I know that they struggled. Luke Altmaier was just killing them with his mobility. He was able to get out of the pocket, and if someone came down on him, like there's a play where Alexander Smith was about to to tackle him, and he gets rid of the ball for a short dump off. The guy takes it 11 yards to the one. They score a touchdown on the next play. There's a couple instances where it looked like Wisconsin should have had him, one where Daryl Peterson had him in the backfield, and Altmaier got a 17-yard gain. I mean, multiple examples. And, yes, Illinois ran for 200-plus yards. That's two straight opponents that the Badgers have given up 200 yards rushing to. But when the defense needed to step up, they did, and they gave the offense an opportunity. So wins like this don't happen because it's just one player. It takes everybody, and I know that's a cliche, but you you saw what happened in that fourth quarter. That's the very best of what Wisconsin can offer. I'd like to correct myself. The play that I'm talking about, the those back-to-back plays, was actually on the drive before that to get the ball back to then go down and get the Will Pauling touchdown. But they did find a way after going after getting the Will Pauling touchdown and the two-point conversion to uh, Riley Nowakowski to get off the field and give their um, offense the, the ball with 324 left. And Braden Locke takes him down right down the field. But but helped by what was just a, a monster play for Braylon Allen 
and I think maybe this is the point we talk about Braylon Allen because mm-hmm. th- third and 10, and it was a four down situation anyway. So handing the ball off to him, it's, it's not like it's a do or die situation on third and 10, but third and 10, he shoots through a hole and finds his way for 11 yards to get that, um, that first down on third and 10. It's just a really a remarkable play, remarkable call and remarkable execution by him. A guy who we heard from after the game was juiced, juiced to be back against Illinois after what happened last year. I think you all already know that. <laughs> you already know that. I mean, they, they came into Madison and embarrassed us as a team, but it embarrassed me. Um, you know, that was something I never wanted to, to feel again. And, you know, I, I was looking forward to a lot of games this season, but I think this one was, was at the top of the list. Um, eight carries, two yards is not something to be proud of. And um, some, you know, when when you, when you know you have a, another opportunity to, to play a team um, that holds you to a stat line like that, you have no choice but to be excited for it. Um, so I was excited and, you know, I, we had a great week of, of practice and preparation. and. You know, I knew what time it was when, when we got off the bus, um, and, and they didn't. I thought Braylon absolutely ran his ass off. Can I say that on the show? You sure can. This was as hard, as physical as he has ever run, and that's saying a lot for a guy who has made that a trademark and a staple of his game at 245 pounds. Luke Fickle praised his performance after the Iowa game. That one also came in a loss, but... Wisconsin was going to put it on his shoulders more than ever before, knowing that they didn't really run enough, especially early in that loss to Iowa, knowing they don't have Chesma Lucy, and you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first start, and he answered the bell every time. Those big scoring drives at the end of the game, Braden made some clutch throws, but again, they don't happen without Braylon getting some big gains. You talk about that third and 10 that goes for 11. He had a run that went for 15. He had a nice reception that went for a first down. So they put it on him and and he accepted the challenge. And I know that maybe he hasn't had the the season or the the career that matches up to a Jonathan Taylor or a Melvin Gordon, but these are the kind of moments that can define your career as a running back at Wisconsin and just great output by Braylon. Yeah, he's up to 704 yards on the year and eight touchdowns, averaging nearly six yards a carry. He passed Corey Clement for... I think it was 13th most yards, rushing yards uh, in a career for a Wisconsin player. But the his, I don't know, his, I don't want to say grit. It's not. It's just determination. Determination to not have what happened the year before happen again. He was, they embarrassed the Badgers last year, but they also embarrassed him. Eight yards, two carries, or excuse me, eight carries, two yards is not a Braylon Allen stat line. And he went out there, carried it 29 times, which tied a career high, had 145 yards, and obviously the the touchdown um, right before half, which was a huge play, I th- maybe or a huge drive. Maybe we kind of overlooked that, but that was a huge drive at the end of the half to get on the board because you knew Illinois was getting the ball in the second half to start it out, and uh, Braylon Locke hit um, Will Pauling for a, a couple of big plays on that drive. It was It was significant. It was significant, but... Either way, talking back to the final drive, Allen breaks it off. And then perhaps the throw of the day from Braden Locke, a little uh, slot fade to Skyler Bell. He just dropped it in the bucket, and he dropped it to a guy who has struggled with drops this year on passes down the field. Not this time. 
an absolute great ball uh, job of tracking it over his shoulder and just a kind of a Willie Mays catch from Sky the Bell to put them out inside the 10 yard line. Just you needed it. You needed it. And they made just a huge play in adverse conditions, considering how windy it was down there. Just a remarkable play. I want to go back to what you said before about wide receivers making plays for the quarterback and giving this offense a chance. I thought it was notable that earlier in the week when Luke Fickle was talking to reporters, he was asked a question about the wide receivers, and that's exactly what he said. I mean, there there were no excuses. If, if, if the ball is thrown low, go and make the play. If the ball is thrown a little high, go and make the play. And Pauling and Bell had a couple of those early third down drops, and this has not been the season that, that Bell envisioned, but he came up with a massive play on a first and 10 from the Illinois 35, that, that 30 yard pass. It was a great throw and it was a great decision by Skylar. I asked him what the the concept was. And he said he had two options on the route, depending on how the cornerback defended him. He said it would turn into it like a seam route if the corner played off him or what it became was because the corner was pressing him that little fade where he, he caught it. And he said that he hadn't had the season that he wanted, but he credited Fickle, wide receivers coach Mike Brown, and Phil Longo just for continuing to believe in him. And that's why they have, because he is capable of that, because he's capable of that 16-yard touchdown grab that he had against Washington State when Tanner Mordecai evaded pressure. He has this in him, and they needed it. It's funny because there's at least a half dozen players that I think that made game-changing plays that had, in my mind, something really important to prove to themselves, but I think to a lot more people, and Skyler was one of them. Who are the other ones? Well, you mentioned the the defensive drive before the the one where Hunter Wohler stopped Altmeyer. But if you go back and look at that series, Mumajong Meta had three tackles on the drive, including the third down sack that ended up forcing the punt. Now Muma got the start because Jordan Taylor or Jordan Turner was listed as out for the game for an undisclosed, I think it was upper body injury, was was what they said. But Muma started three games and then he barely played. And then he's thrust into a starting role again, and he comes up with 12 tackles and two tackles for a loss. I think that says a lot about a guy who's a co-captain on the team who has kept his head up through some challenging moments this season to go out and perform when, when they needed him. It's kind of funny that he was able to step in and do what he did, considering Luke Fickle was asked about him on Monday, wasn't he? He was asked about you know how, how can he stay involved when he's a, he's a captain, he is an older, he's a senior. He's a guy that they were expecting huge things from, and all of a sudden he's barely playing. And I, and what Luke Fickle said, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy, but he's got the mentality to do it. And we kind of saw it play out certainly on on Saturday with what was, uh, I believe, a uh, maybe a career time high in in tackles. I believe he had uh, maybe it was a season high, twelve tackles. He had the sack, a couple tackles for loss. Hunter Wolder, thirteen tackles. He is. Uh, was one of the top tacklers coming in in the Big Ten. So that's certainly not going to change. So, yeah, a couple, couple obviously, big-time efforts from those guys on the defensive side of the ball. All right. Play of the game here. A play that absolutely nobody saw coming, especially in Illinois. The pass to Nolan Rucci, a guy who fans have been asking about, why isn't he playing? Well, here you go. He's on the field. He's playing. <laughs> And he's making the play of the game, uh, sneaking out for a three-yard touchdown and uh, a very athletic catch there in the end zone. It was. This is where I said, "Holy shit!" Right. So this is that's that's where I 
came through and was like, oh my God, I can't believe they just pulled that out right there. And it was so well executed from the shift, you know, the the quick, you know, huddle, which wasn't really a huddle, up to the line, you do the shifting, and it just is perfectly set up and perfectly executed. It's maybe the best play Phil Longo has run all season. And obviously the the circumstances surrounding it, but the wow factor and the way it caught everybody off guard, you're absolutely right. And no one talked about after the game, his job was to sell as though he was blocking long enough for the receivers to drag the corners away. And then he he leaked out there and he is wide open in the end zone and all six foot eight of them needed uh, to catch that pass. Braden put it up there, but he said he hadn't caught a pass since he was a high school freshman before he was even on the varsity. He briefly played some tight end and then they moved him to tackle. But he also said he caught every single pass they threw to him this week in practice. So they put it in in practice this week. They ran it about five or six times. And boy, you could not have run it any better at a critical moment. And the the great thing about it is he didn't have to report as eligible. Because he wasn't he wasn't wearing his offensive lineman number. He was wearing ninety three. You don't have to report as eligible with that number. And so Illinois just if you're not paying attention, then obviously in that situation, and they didn't have any timeouts left because Brett Bielma just burned them while the clock was stopped. It was just the perfect time to call it. And I, you know, in talking, you obviously talked to Nolan afterwards, and he was still on cloud nine when he came in there. He still couldn't believe they actually called the play and that much, much less for it to work and for him to catch the touchdown in what is, I think being fair here, his biggest <laughs> moment by far in his Wisconsin career. Oh, no doubt about it, but I think he'll eventually move into a, a starting tackle role. It's just that there's some pretty good guys in front of him, but he talked about how, as soon as I saw the ball in the air, it felt like it was slow motion, but you're right. Even after the game, I, he said, I still can't believe not only they called it, but that I caught it because he said, this is the kind of play you put in in practice and you think, oh, OK, well, maybe sometime down the line I'll get in there and they'll they'll throw this one out. But no, they did it that week at the most critical time. And he came up with a big time play. So uh, and I like the little bow that he had afterward. That was great. Like he'd been like he'd been planning it all along. So very was- clutch moment. He had to have been doing that in practice too, right? Like every time he caught it, he had to have been breaking out the the bow because you just don't think about like it, that. That was not spur of the moment. That it was, was something. <laughs> that was something you you thought about for sure, right? I I I hope that he didn't, and it was spur of the moment. Either <laughs> way, it was great. But the the craziest part of this to me was we're we're up there in, in the well. I was in the press box at the time. You were able to go down on the field and get some great video of it. But I saw the number and. I, we're all looking around. Who the hell is that? Because obviously that's not Rucci's regular number. And even on the TV broadcast, if I'm not mistaken, and in the in the uh, initial stats, he was identified as Isaac Townsend. I was like, well, that ain't right. Uh, so it took a couple seconds to realize who that actually was. So they had everybody fooled. I, I was walking. I was walking past UW folks, and they're like, "Hey, that," and I'm, uh, they're like, "Hey, that was not uh, Isaac Townsend. That was that was Rucci." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." I mean, they're not, they're definitely not the same looking kind of guys. Uh, but yeah, the 93 definitely threw some people off. He was actually the left tackle there. It wasn't, he was not the tight end. Uh, they had, that That was the other part of this. Could they have potentially run the ball to the right side? They went heavy right with, with Jack Nelson moving over to the right side. And then they shifted over there and they, they even, you know, kind of looked like a play that was going to go right. You had Chimray clear the corner out and 
nobody, nobody anywhere close to him. And yet Wisconsin still had to get one more stop. They give up the, the hook and ladder, and they, it feels like they're going to at least get an opportunity to throw the ball down towards the end zone, and that doesn't happen. They, they get off the field and get the sack and set off a celebration among Luke Fickle and his, his staff that I don't really recall. I mean, certainly they've had wins already, but this is by far the biggest win of his tenure at Wisconsin. It's not really saying much. There's only been five of them, but the way that he reacted at the end of the game, you could tell that they needed this. They needed this win for a number of different reasons, but they desperately needed it for this season and to, to maybe stem the tide of some of the negative stuff that's been talked about. Yeah. Luke even mentioned after the game that he tries not to pay attention to what's being said. Sometimes it's hard to ignore that there was this thought going in that they were kind of going to cruise early on. And and I know he's talked about enjoying the journey as opposed to the destination and all that, but this was one of those games that you'll look back on and as players and as a team, you say like, wow, that was really thrilling to be a part of, but absolutely. They've been struggling. They came off a game where they didn't score a touchdown against Iowa for the first time in a game for three years. And I don't know how many people thought Wisconsin was going to be able to pull this one off, particularly after being down two touchdowns. So I can understand the emotion. My favorite and most petty celebration, of course, (laughs) which I'm sure we were going to get to is Greg Scruggs and Paul Haynes, the photo of them showing up on on Twitter of them celebrating and uh, just coincidentally, I imagine the exact same fashion that Aaron Henry and Antonio Finella celebrated after flipping Vernon Woodward as a recruit. So you got to love it. Recreating that tweet was fantastic. And I believe they said got used to it instead of get used to it. Right. Um, <laughs> got, got used to it. Yeah, that was that was as petty as it gets. But it was also very, very good. Very, very good from those two guys. Um do we want to talk about some of the negative stuff real quick here? We probably should. Okay. Another horrible start, right? Another another really, really bad start. They had five penalties in the first quarter, three of which I believe were of the pre-snap variety, uh, including a couple of false starts. They had obviously the muffed. Well, before that, uh, they, people have complained about them not being able to get wide receivers open and, and free. They have the great play call and great execution to get Skyler Bell wide open on the out on, on a little out route after uh, Hayden Rucci acted as a little bit of a, a pick. He's wide open, a, a good pass, puts him in the end zone. Wisconsin gets a touchdown there. Instead, Braden Locks pass, not great. Uh, he has to go down to the ground to get it. I think it's like a two or three yard gain. They end up trying to kick the field goal, and Gavin Myers unable to corral the snap, and they get no points out of it. That obviously um, stood out. Those those three things negatively negatively stood out for me. And then obviously also not getting Luke Altmaier to the ground nearly enough. I mean, the guy runs for over 100 yards. Um, even on the plays where they were specifically designed to have guys in places to get him on the ground, they don't. Um, one that comes to mind is Kamoi Latu coming off the edge. Luke Fickle said they put him out there because they knew that he could run him down, and he runs right by him. And so there were there were – a number of things that you could look back on and say, not exactly positive. So I don't know if you have a few others that stand out for you or if they're or not, or not. <laughs> Those are the majority of the plays. I mean, for the longest time, this just looked like a game that Wisconsin was not going to win. Altmeyer had, I talked before about all the runs that he had. There was one where it was a third and 10 at the Wisconsin 42 and he gains 14 yards 
because Jake Cheney misses him. And then five plays later, Illinois gets the touchdown to go up 21 to seven, even late in the game. And we could be having a much different conversation were it not for this team's ability to show its resilience. I mean, there's a minute and a half left in the fourth quarter and Chimray DK gets open down the field mm-hmm. on a little stu- stutter and go route. And we're not talking about this because Wisconsin ended up scoring a touchdown, but I felt like Locke put the ball where it needed to be. And, and Chimray just didn't come up with the catch. It was kind of another one of those instances where you need everything to go right. And one thing goes wrong and it feels like the Badgers aren't going to be able to overcome it. And somehow they won the game anyway with that memorable late sequence. So you can't talk about everything good that happened without the bad because Wisconsin was in the position. It was in for a reason being down two touchdowns again. I guess this is also what sports and playing football is like. You're you're not going to you're never going to play the perfect game, but there were certainly a lot of plays that they'll be watching on film on Sunday and saying we got some things to clean up. Yeah, I, I turned to the person standing next to me down on the field when Chimray dropped and I said, that's a touchdown. That's and who knew that they were going to get an opportunity to, to score? Because, again, obviously the momentum was in their favor, but that play from a senior and yeah, could have had it. Could have had it. All right. Uh, let's get to some of these these Twitter questions. Uh, OS7 says, was the sneaky biggest play of the game, the Illinois Illinois' best defensive lineman being knocked out of the game after targeting completely changed after that, I felt. Would, I don't know about the biggest play of the game, but one of the bigger moments of the game by far. Yeah, we addressed it before, no doubt about it. The way that he had been dominating up front and his talent level, you just can't replace a guy like that. Uh, six tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, three quarterback hurries, a forced fumble. He is fantastic, and he's going to be likely a, I believe, likely a, a first-round pick next year. So, yeah, he was great. Um, Kurt wants to know if Nolan Ritchie is now wide receiver one. <laughs> well, his conversion rate is probably the highest in program history. Well, he's making... got one, one rep and a touchdown. Will Pauling was joking afterwards that, well, people were joking with Will Pauling afterwards that uh, him and Noli Rucci have the same amount of touchdowns now. So um, that was Will Pauling's first career touchdown they'd had there in that uh, in the fourth quarter, and Nolan Rucci tied him later on. Um, Brandon says he just wants to make a statement. What a win for a team that struggled, especially since there was this complete team win in the second half and can only help with their confidence the rest of the year. Um, Badger Local says, uh, for whom was this bigger win? Locke, Longo, Fickle or Macintosh? <laughs> I feel like Longo's at the top of the list just because of how poorly Wisconsin's offense executed against Iowa and the expectations that there were coming in. And we we kind of addressed this last week, right? About I mean, like Luke Fickle is it's it's a long term play here, and Braden Locke it was his first start, and if it's a long term play for Luke Fickle, then that means that. Chris McIntosh will be backing him for the long term. And with Longo, it just felt like they needed something like this to show they can have some explosiveness and play with that level of consistency. So to me, I would put him one. I would agree with that. I I also say that. All you can do is call the plays, right? You can't, you can't make guys make those plays. So we're giving him credit for a lot of play calls, but I think guys executing those plays also comes into a huge thing of it. Like the, the Will Pauling, it was a great call, right? The little, um, well, out and go was, it was a great call. 
But if Will Pauling doesn't go and get that ball, what kind of call is it? You know what I mean? Or the Braden or the, the the handoff to Braylon Allen in that situation on third and ten. If he gets three yards instead of getting eleven, are we looking at that call as the greatest call ever? Or if you know whatever, what are all these calls? You need guys to go out and make plays, and they did for him. And in large stretches from the, of this year, they have not. So I I understand people want to be upset with with uh, with Longo. I think the the passing of the ball fifty times against Iowa last week was just not great. That was not his best his best day. But also, guys made plays for him this week that they did not make last week and have not made it other times this year. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. I also think that when players don't make plays, who gets the blame? It's it's the coaches, whether that's fair or not. And I think a lot of it has to do with the excitement level that th- this offense brought coming into the season and the fact that it hadn't come anywhere close to to meeting that excitement level the first half of the season. So I think that's part of why. But all four of them needed it. And for Braden Locke, what a way to introduce yourself as a, as a starter and potentially the future at quarterback for Wisconsin. Long way to go to determine that. But that guy has some stones, man. I was so impressed with the the poise that he had and that was the word that we heard the most from his teammates after the game was poise for sure duke says am i crazy but does the offense work better with Locke? not negative on mordecai but does the skill set just translate better and there, there was there was some other here as well um uh, uh where is it where is it do you think mordecai would have had the cojones to make some of the passes that Locke made today is Braden Locke him. What did you think? What did you think of Locke's timing on his throws? I thought there were maybe a couple that came out a little early before the route was completed, but overall pretty impressive for the first road start of his career. All those, all those things. Uh, what do you think? What a question to ask if Tanner Mordecai would have the cojones to make those throws. Yeah, I never I never looked at him as a player that didn't have the cojones. I mean, he was uh, it's interesting because we're having this conversation, obviously, because the Badgers scored on their last three possessions, including two touchdown passes. Braden Locke still completed just over 50 percent of his passes and he still lost a fumble. So I don't know. You're you're looking at this through rose-colored lenses because they won. I don't know whether right now I feel like, well, the offense is markedly better because Braden Locke is there. I think the game plan was a little bit different, certainly. I mean, Braylon tying his career high by carrying 29 times the offensive line, opening up holes for him. And yes, Braden made the plays, but Tanner had another element too with the the mobility, And, and you can't deny that that, was a game changer, even if statistically he wasn't putting up major numbers passing. So it certainly came together late in this game, but I'm not ready yet to proclaim that, well, this offense is designed better for a Braden lock uh, or it's built to succeed more for him. It was just, it was a great starting debut for him and now they have to build on it. Illinois had, coming into the game had the worst defense in the big 10. Yes. Last, last in total defense uh, in the league. Tim says, is it just me or is Pauling the only one who gets open? I don't know how many passes Locke threw that hit the target in the hands, but incomplete because they couldn't create space and it gave the defenders a chance to make a play on the ball. Locke doesn't feel like the limiting factor. So the question is specifically about Pauling and whether he gets open better than anybody else? Yes. I mean, he had seven catches for 95 yards. He was targeted 11 times. It's interesting when you look at this, 
the the most targets, not surprisingly, they go to the two slot receivers. And I think we were talking about this in the middle of the game, but you put those guys over the middle and there's a reason why they're able to make plays because they have so much space. Pauling, yeah, to me, he's been that guy pretty consistently. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'd go with him and I don't know who I'd say number two is right now. Well, and that, I mean, that's the thing. Who Will Pauling is statistically, when you look at the numbers, one of the top wide receivers in the Big Ten, he's, his catches per game, I believe, are second going into the big in, into this game. It's not going down. He's averaging a little over six catches a game in Big Ten play coming into this one. He had seven. Uh, the only guy that has, is ever, was averaging more going in was Marvin Harrison Jr. So uh, he, he hasn't necessarily obviously had the big games that Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., an elite talent, a generational talent, has had, but he's he's had some pretty good some pretty good moments. Um, but in terms of other guys, yeah, I think that that's still something that this offense needs to work on, not just this year, but probably in the offseason as well. Um, all right. Badger Hugh says he needs a deep dive X's and O's analysis of 2023 versus 2020 versus 2017 O and pass play touchdowns at Illinois. Um, <laughs> Michael Dieter had to run a whole lot more than uh, Nolan Rucci needed to. Uh, he caught the ball, I believe at the 15 yard line and ran it in uh, that one. I think maybe was, was asking a little bit more of the offensive lineman than this one was, but both big plays. This one, obviously, a little bit bigger. I believe that made the game 24-10 at Illinois back in 2017. This uh, Would you say that that one needed a little bit more athleticism than this one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Jordan says, I know that Turner was out, and I know that they said Muma wasn't starting to pass games because of matchups, but didn't he prove today that he deserves to start regardless? That is, I mean, that's a really good question because I think people were thinking, okay, well, Jake Cheney has shown that he should be the starter, but has Jordan Turner played at a level where he should consistently be the starter? Maybe this helps to answer that. On the other hand, there are there are times, and I think you and I saw this or talked about this during the game, where Muma does struggle, particularly out in space, which was why they didn't go with him against Purdue. And you asked me to look up the missed tackles number, and I don't know how accurate it is because it only lists Muma with two missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. And Cheney had three in that game against Illinois. Um, I mean, he has some limitations, but no doubt. he's. I mean, he was a tackling machine last year, had 95 tackles, and he can make some plays. I, when all of them are healthy, I think they need all three of them. I didn't really understand how... Muma could play like six snaps in a game. I mean, I get it's a new staff. You you can do whatever you want to do just because someone led a team in tackles last year. If you're running something a little different and you think other guys fit your personnel better, that's fine. Um, I felt he needed more than the six snaps, but he did show a lot on Saturday. Yeah, the, I mean, the Muma thing is is interesting. I thought at times he looks a little he looked a little slow, specifically on the uh, Fagan touchdown run around the outside. Uh, looked like he was in some quicksand or mud. So maybe that's kind of where it is. And maybe Jordan Turner, they, they like his athleticism a little bit better. I know that there are other people that have questioned that as well. Either way, that, that reminds me of what, of something else that happened on the final drive 
for Wisconsin on defense, and that is they took Muma off the field. They put in Christian Allegro. Is that is that that's how you, is that how you pronounce it? I believe so. Yeah, uh, the true freshman who has played virtually no meaningful snaps on defense this year. They threw him in there. Luke Fickle admitted that he maybe had no idea what he was doing, but all they asked him to do was if Luke Altmeyer took off and ran, you go get him. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, and and actually came up with a big play, knocking a pass down uh, on that drive. He, athletically, certainly I think they felt pretty good about matching him up with uh, Luke Altmeyer. So they brought him on, and they kept him on the field until the uh, the final play, which was just going to be Hail Mary because they knew that Altmeyer couldn't run in that situation. So um, at least notable that, that they're getting some of these other uh, linebackers involved. Yeah, real, real quick on Allegro, because we really didn't see him a ton in preseason, but there were occasions when they gave him opportunities in that dollar package to yep. kind of run run some of that. And I, I do feel like in the long run, we're going to look back and say that he was one of the sleepers in that 2023 recruiting class because just pure athleticism, he is as good athletically, I think, as anybody in that class. He ran a 4.57 second 40-yard dash in high school. He bench pressed 225 pounds 24 times. So he's one of those guys who, who committed in college initially to play lacrosse and then was overlooked as a football player. But I think Wisconsin's got a good one with him. Uh, Barry says, feel like this is the first time the team has had fun all season or no. <laughs> oh, overreaction or no. Kind yeah. of snuck that one in there. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> it, they're still five and two. Like I know it hasn't gone the way people want it, but they're, they seem to be playing a little bit better at this stage after the Illinois game, I guess. And I think they've had some fun moments. It's just hard when the expectations are you should win the West and compete for a championship. And right now they're just in the thick of it. Nate says, how come second half adjustments have been so successful? Seems like every game, except the offense versus Iowa's defense, they have come out hot on both sides of the ball and gives them a chance. I do not know to the answer to this. I don't know if the players know the answer to this, because if everybody had an understanding of why, they would do it right away. But it, it there is something to be said for their determination in games like this, because I think it'd be easy to just be like, oh, we haven't played very well to this point. We're down a couple touchdowns. There's no way we're going to win. And they didn't think like that, and they didn't play like that. He also asks, and maybe we should crowdsource this, but he said, any recommendations for restaurants in Madison? He's going to his first game since 2011 on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. There's so many. I feel like the tendency is to just kind of name the uh, the staples that are on everyone's top 10 list. Go for it. Maybe, maybe we should crowdsource it. <laughs> Go for it. Do you have what is your favorite? Well, favorite brunch spot, Cento downtown. Okay. Love it. Uh, it's a must, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've, I'm on the spot. If I had two minutes, I could write down a list, but now yeah. I feel a little frazzled. Well, You've we'll, got a lot we'll, of options. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll crowdsource. We'll crowdsource. We'll get you a good, a good recommendation. Um, should be. An electric weekend. We'll get to the Ohio State game <laughs> uh, when we when we get back together on Wednesday. Obviously, a huge game. Is that a big game? Is that a big one, Zach? It's a it's a pretty big one. Okay. It's, it's it's a rather big one. It's a rather big one. Um, Nate, uh, we'll finish with this one. If Fickle does indeed take the Badgers to the next level, is this the game we look back on that started it all? I have no idea because what if they go and lose to Ohio state by four touchdowns? Will we yeah. say that uh, Illinois was the game that started it all? I think it's a step in the right direction. 
And that's about as good of a place as you can be right now. There are a few more questions in here that I think we can push off until Wednesday. So I'll hold them for Wednesday. But uh, I was asked, you know, first win in regulation when trailing by 14 points in the second half since 1982. At the end of the game, they phrased it since 2018, but didn't include the second half comment. It feels very true. That is a long time to go without coming back from 14 in regulation. Um, I, I know the 14 points heading into the fourth quarter. You think back to that Purdue game. Do you know what the score of the Purdue game was going into the fourth quarter in 2018? I know you don't, so I'll just fill, I'll just answer it for you. Thank it you. Was, it was 27 to 13. That game finished 47 to 43. 40, I think it was 47 44. 40, excuse it? me, 47 44. Because they didn't have to kick the extra point when they when Jonathan Taylor scored uh, in the third OT, I believe it was. Either way, it's been a long, long time. Hell of a hell of a victory. Did it on the road, and in that game, very similar to this one, uh, a backup quarterback was being asked to start a game. That one being Jack Cohn, and he threw two huge touchdowns to Danny Davis late in that one to kind of jumpstart that comeback. And then uh, Illinois game, obviously, what Braden Locke did, pretty pretty impressive. Um, we'll see what they can get done. This coming Saturday, we'll talk all about the Ohio State game coming up on Wednesday. And then obviously we'll be back at Monks on Thursday for Temple and Heilprin. Um, Jesse, thank you very much. Safe travels back to Madison. Thanks, Zach. Talk soon. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.